0: Let's say you're running the company and you hire somebody to manage the day-to-day operations. Well, if you hire somebody to manage the day-to-day operations, you should definitely let them manage. If like if you believe in their skill set and you're willing to pay them money to, you know, to handle what you something that you own, you should trust your judgment as the person hiring them, I think, and allow them to do their job.
1: Welcome to the Explore Home Podcast, where we navigate design trends with industry leaders and insiders, interior designers and influencers who inspire the way we design furniture. I'm your host, Neil McKenzie, Vice President of Marketing at Universal Furniture. We hope you had the chance to visit with us this past market. If you missed any of the events in the Learning Center, you can rewatch them at your leisure. Just visit universalfurniture.com slash market events. This episode has a different flavor to it than most, but when you explore home, one of the things that a lot of folks look forward to is NFL Sundays. We recently had the chance to connect with Will Brinson of CBS Sports. Will joined CBS in 2010 and enters his seventh season covering the NFL for the network. He previously wrote for FanHouse, along with a myriad of other sports-related internet sites, He also hosts the Pick 6 podcast, which you can find wherever you your podcasts or watch on YouTube. He's a North Carolina native who lives in Raleigh and was recently named to Sports Illustrated's Top 100 Twitter list. We connected with Will to discuss what you can learn from how the NFL works or how certain teams operate. What makes the NFL so engaging? We also touch on Will's favorite NFL moments. NFL free agency, and with the NFL draft taking place this week, the NFL continues to be year-round sports business. In full disclosure, I finished second in our fantasy football league here at the office, so I'm very qualified on the subject uh, with a team constructed of current and former players from my favorite team, the six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. We do end up talking about them a fair amount as well. So uh, despite all that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Will, and thank you again for listening. Will, thank you for joining us on the Explore Home Podcast. We appreciate you making time for us. I know you've been busy with a lot of stuff going on within the NFL offseason, which has taken on a life of its own, but thanks again for making time.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. You know, the the scheduling has been pretty diabolical. I was joking the other day, it used to be that free agency, like the free agency you know, season, you would have this couple waves of signings. Uh, and then, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, like Coney Ely being traded for a second round pick was a big deal. And now it's Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, Tyree kill, uh, you know, just rapid Deshaun Watson and rapid fire. So it's been, uh, it has been the literally the wildest offseason in, in NFL history so far.
1: By far, by far. Yeah. And We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that before we kind of get into kind of what you do. Let's talk a little bit about your background. I know you're a, you're a high point native, if you will. Um, but how did you kind of end up in sports journalism? What, what, what was your background? What kind of led you down that path?
0: So this is a pretty bizarre story. I went to Westchester Academy in High Point through ninth grade, and then I went to Macaulay in Chattanooga for boarding school for final three years of high school. Went to NC State, was an English major. I think I'm a pretty good writer, uh, but you know, didn't um, was not a not an uh, exceptional student at NC State, which is, is fine. You know, it happens sometimes. Uh, took some time off from college. Went back to UNCG. While at UNCG, I was actually working. In High Point, at my dad at my dad's law firm, Robertson, okay. Harris, and Reese. And while I was working there, on my lunch breaks, I would go into this. This is when like the like the the early stages of the internet and not the internet, but of like blogging and like like non traditional sports writing. Like Deadspin yep. wasn't even really a, a thing at that point. I started writing on these on a message board on a site called. Uh, you know, do you know Matthew Barry at, at uh, ESPN as the fantasy guy? Yeah. Yeah, I started writing on a site called the talented Mr. Roto.com, which is before Matthew Barry ever went to ESPN. And I was writing on the message board during my lunch break. Obviously not during work hours, Bob, if you're listening to this. Right. Um, and, uh, and they liked the advice that I had of fantasy football related. So they offered to give me a column, like a couple of columns a month, paid like twenty five dollars a month, just unbelievably okay. poor wages. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Matthew Barry gets hired by ESPN take some of the people over there. And one of the guys uh, who was like an editor type didn't get a job with ESPN, got a job with uh fan house, which was AOL's sports site. And so uh, he was like, Hey, we'd love to hire you to come over to fan house. And so I got a job there writing about fantasy football and then expanded it to the NBA and then the NFL and basically every sport. And I was writing this on the side. So I was like, I was, I was going to UNCG working as a full-time para- certified paralegal and working at FanHouse, where, you know, we're getting paid decent, like per post stuff. Um, cool. The FanHouse thing kind of, ra- uh, you know, wrapped up and I had transitioned away from the law firm and was working at a travel website in Winston-Salem. And at that point, um, and then I started working for another startup when the, when that website folded. And then a friend and I put together a PowerPoint for my current boss at CBS, like 12 years ago. And said, "Hey, look! Here's what you guys have now. You don't get enough traffic. You don't get quirky, fun stories. You just have AP copy, basically, and then columnists. We put that together. He hired us. And like I tell anybody who asked me for advice in journalism, I'm like, like, you get the job you want. and You hold on for dear life until you until you're done.' And so that's. <laughs> and so I've been currently clinging to dear life, uh, but I've kind of transitioned to podcast and, and a little bit and a lot less writing. So that that's the condensed version of that story."
1: Well, and I think also, I think that's a highlight for everybody listening as it relates to, you know, the, the content aspect of, you know, digital. I mean, con- everybody, you know, content king, content is king. We've heard, heard that term, but, you know, it's amazing. I think, you know, these different entities that exist, or even if you have your own website, the ability to try to keep things current and whatever it is, you know, genre that you're kind of focused on. But there's this need and there's a lot of different ways to kind of go about, you know, kind of getting content,
0: if you will, which is kind of cool. And by the way, I'd be be remiss if I didn't point out too that while at UNCG, I was writing for uh, the student newspaper as the, there just weren't a lot of sports writers uh, at at UNCG in the the early 2000s. And pretty quickly I got to, I was like the lead men's basketball writer or whatever, right? The timing was pretty nice and coincidental that it crossed over with Steph Curry's time at
1: Davidson. So
0: I got to see a lot of That is Curry. really good.
1: That's serendipity right there, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I got to cruise down to, I got to drive down to Davidson to cover him and sit in that little gym watching Steph light up the USCG Spartans.
1: That's that's crazy. And then now you've kind of, your focus now seems to be, uh, you know, kind of focused on the NFL. And, you know, we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but, you know, from your perspective, how has the NFL evolved over the last, let's say, 10 years?
0: It, you know, there, I think there are all these different Many revolutions inside of the the last decade, really. Like the two biggest global changes, I would say, over the last ten years, with with the NFL as a whole, not necessarily the game, but like how the NFL approaches it. Um, one is is player safety, because you know, I, I can't remember when they were doing it, but it was probably about ten years ago. You know, ESPN before Monday Night Football used to run a segment called "You Got Jacked Up," and they would it would be the hardest hits of the week, and like the dudes hey. getting the biggest concussions. And getting knocked the bleep out and and they would and they would be like laughing and slapping knees about it and you know then the nfl got sued by the players for over concussions and you've seen pretty quickly a shift by the league because of that lawsuit and the the, the nfl is always reactionary like they proactive. always wait it, yeah, exactly. yeah they're never proactive like if they yeah. hadn't gotten sued they would have kept letting the player shifty go on and right. i always th- i always think about the hit that always comes to my mind well there's two of them uh one was uh james harrison I think it was on a Thursday night game knocked like absolutely clobbered Colt McCoy in a Steelers Browns game and McCoy, it was like, I mean, it was a scary hit. And then the other was Brandon Merriweather, the Patriots on Todd heap of the the Ravens. And these are, these are, these are like but Merriweather. If you, if you remember the hit, he basically like in midair leans back and just like tomahawk chops, heat helmet to helmet Yeah, and the league. You know, they didn't get tossed out. They get fines for it. But I think that the league, has started to, and you and you see, they're trying to take the head out of the or take the head out of the game, or whatever the phrase is, and and they've done a good job of it. You know, sometimes people get mad at, at some of the flags that are thrown, but you've seen it a, tr- a very quick trickle down effect through college and then you know uh, youth football where they want to make they 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 follow the lead of the NFL and, and the, the league has done a pretty good job of, of taking those. Really vicious, dangerous concussion-inducing shots out of there. And then the other major thing I would say that, and this is maybe more been the last you know year really, uh, is gambling. You know, yeah. ten years ago, the NFL told Tony Romo, and maybe it's even seven years ago, told Tony Romo that he was not allowed to host a fantasy football convention in Las Vegas. Now.
1: There's the a team league. in Las Vegas.
0: They have a team in Las Vegas. They have a <laughs> draft in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks, and the NFL has like seven different sportsbook partnerships. You can't watch an NFL game without Jamie Fox screaming like, "Like cash it overs, cash it unders, hitting them parlays," yeah. you know. So it's probably the wildest difference for me, just how we've covered it because I've always included gambling information when we talk, like when, when I would write stories, like, "Oh, like you know, this is a yeah." I mean, like seven years ago, if, if there was a bizarre fumble at the end of the game that caused a backdoor cover you know we would we we would write about it but it wouldn't be you know it wouldn't be written right. about many places now it's like that's a story all over the place you know scott van pelt is doing bad beats on monday night and the nfl is all in on on gambling and, and daily fantasy at, because it opens up a they, they figured out it's a complete fire hose for revenue
1: right just don't bet on your own team uh, right, unless it's in
0: the seventeenth game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you can NFL players are allowed to under the 2018 gambling rules for players. They're allowed to bet on other sports, but right. not the NFL. And certainly, makes not- sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, NFL executives and coaches, I believe, are not allowed to bet on anything, any sports at all. Though uh, I assume that's like a, you know, maybe a, you know, like a front office guy as a connection to an NBA guy. Yeah. And- something like that yeah you
1: know. yeah interesting it's definitely entertainment that goes beyond just the regular season and obviously you know the playoffs super bowl etc but you know what is it that you think they do so well in creating this level of engagement year-round because everybody seems to be it is must-see tv uh the ratings clearly prove that uh people are you know very much more in they're invested into obviously their team. And in some cases, fantasy football is almost maybe taking the team out of it. People are more tied to players like the NBA for good, better, worse. What's your thought on, on how they've been able to kind of do that? Well,
0: they they have, it's been like, it is not a secret in, you know, around the league. And when you say around the league, you, you mean media members and executives and, and inside the league office too, is that they want to own essentially at minimum nine months of the calendar year, they want it to be about the NFL. That's why they have no problem expanding to 17 games. And then 17 games is just, it is really just a uh, stepping stone to 18, which they'll get right. to um, for the next CBA, I would imagine. They you know they, want, they don't mind pushing that back. Then they earn February and you get to March and it's free agency. And this stuff has been bigger. Like we're, We do more page views in March than we do in, in November because yeah. even though the games are important, the insanity and the, the player movement, the player movement specifically to this year, has been kind of a kind of building over the last few years where you got sort of player empowerment, especially for quarterbacks who can be like, I want out and, and right. they can force their hand. We saw two wide receivers who sort of did it in the last week, too, in Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Um, the salary cap continues to grow mm-hmm. and that gives more flexibility teams have started structuring contracts in ways that make them a lot more movable. They're really just all three year deals and you can hack off the back to general managers are generally speaking now less reticent to give up a first, first round picks or draft picks. They're, they're willing to move those knowing that if you can get a veteran superstar, it can really you know boost your team. And Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford have only furthered to cement that belief. Um, so you have all that in the off season. And even once we get out of free agency, like the last three weeks have been bananas and now it's, I mean, what do we, I mean, you know, we're like uh, six weeks until the draft. And so right. the NFL network starts its NFL uh, path of the draft and fans have gotten, and this is part of the buildup too, is like fans have gotten so much smarter about how they watch and discuss football 10 years ago, or maybe 12 years ago when I was at Fan House. And I remember it was whatever the draft was, uh, Chris Johnson was at an ECU was selected by the Titans. In the first round and i just remember like we would cover the first round and you know the second round but you know now fans are like draft guys have to know every like you better know everybody in the sixth seventh rounds like and fans know these people they study these people they read up on them there's so many more journalists who have sort of gotten to the draft niche like it was mm-hmm. just mel kuiper and now it's you know, daniel jeremiah my buddy ryan wilson is in there dane brugler of the athletic lance airline it's its entire like different, ind- it's like a
1: separate industry. Oh, that- it's a total cottage industry. Yeah, exactly. absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so all of, the, like, all of that and the fact that fans, uh, you know, watch more, they watch more film now, they watch all 22 because it's available for everybody. Like the, the coaches tape, they, you know, they study the teams. Everybody knows the salary cap. All that information is available. So it's like, it's more uh, um, accessible for fans. They eat it up. And then, you know, you get to June, you get out of the draft and then there's this a lull but then you're immediately in training camp again. And all of a sudden, so that's sort of been the NFL's plan. And and the fact that the games are so teams can turn so quickly, you know, the Bengals were had the number one overall pick two years ago and, and they were in the Super Bowl last year. Like you can turn around an NFL team in a way that is not as easy to do in baseball or basketball, you know, the condensed season where it's just 17 games versus 162 or 82 leads to a lot more randomness. And, and then the fantasy football and gambling aspect, you know, people, you can have a 34 nothing blowout and people are still like to, you know, maybe you're starting the guy, you know, you're starting a quarterback in fantasy or you, or you got the over under and you're still tuning in to this completely meaningless fourth quarter. And that's how they, so it's just the whole, the whole package is just enticing. And football is, of course, fun
1: for everybody. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As my, no, my,
0: football is family, which is what the, my mom hates that more than anything in the world. She's like, football is not family. They're out there killing each other. And I don't like football. You like football. You're making me watch football.
1: <laughs> well, I know I'm a huge Patriots fan. I literally haven't missed a Patriots game since like 1992. Is, um, it's impressive. And- and um, it's it's yeah, it's a little it it became kind of a sickness for a while, but it was also nice because you kind of knew what the outcome was gonna be, which was fine. <laughs> so
0: sickness is sickness um, that's rewarded with us. Uh, yeah
1: Super but uh, yeah, my 11 year old daughter, we watched all the Patriots games together and she asked all the questions and now she she totally understands what's going on. She's begun to get more emotionally, Mm. invested in the process, which, um, I told her is a slippery slope. So
0: um, it's also, also unfortunate timing to get really emotionally invested in the Patriots. You should, you want to do that. Like, like the last 20 years is what you want. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a, it was, I try to explain what we saw that you probably won't see again. And, uh, she, yeah, she's, she's probably in for what I was in for at the beginning of my Patriot fandom, if you will. So um, for a little while. Patriot, like,
0: Patriots fans, I think it's fascinating. Like, and you talk about people who cheer for you know player versus like a team. I mean, Patriots fans. I haven't heard any Patriots fan who's like, "Screw Tom Brady." Like, you know, everybody was kind of as long as he wasn't playing Belichick,
1: right? Everybody's kind of rooting for Brady just because he gave so much to New England, right? Yeah, it's hard to root against Tom Brady. I I don't think there's. um, I I think there's been a feeling of um, it's like this divorce, and you love both parents, but. You know, you're still kind of tied to your team. I don't think you, you know, I'm not watching his games and there's, there's people I know that do, but I I don't, you know, I just don't, I can't go there. I was actually hopeful that he'd stay retired and he'd return back to us (laughs) and um, you know, it would all be over and we could move on. But now I'm kind of convinced he's going to play for five more years. I think for some reason, it Um,
0: wouldn't. nothing about Tom Brady would ever shock me. I've, I've, if I've been covering, if I've been working at CBS since 2000, the 2010 season, and I've, I've, I missed, um, I missed, I missed the last, I, I went to the, I missed the COVID super bowl. Like nobody yep. went to it. Um, yeah. but I think so I to 2010 was like Rogers and, and big Ben Packers and Steelers. And I think of all those super bowls I've been to Tom Brady's been to like
1: 70% of them, like yes. every
0: yeah. year it's just Tom Brady against somebody else. And you know, right. And,
1: yeah. No, it's, and, a, it's insane. Yeah, no, I know. That's, uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I, bet. yeah I, I, so I grew up, um, I don't know if you know, uh, so Robert Kettner, um, one of my dad's friends who lives in Greensboro as well. Okay. Um, he he's a big Duke supporter, big, huge Duke fan. And um, growing, you know, growing up, uh, so I was like, he he would give my he, one of my dad's friends, he would give my dad tickets occasionally to like take up, take me and my brother to Durham to you know to Cameron to go yeah. see games as kids. And it just so happened to overlap with you know the rise of Coach K. Like we're talking like 89, 90, 91, right, 92, right. like like peak Duke. Um, and I think similar to that Patriots experience, although you had, you know, the, the, the lean years from 92 to 2000, but like I grew up or maybe it's sort of like your, your daughter, I grew up just thinking like, oh, my team just wins championships. Is that like, that's yeah. just what happens. Like the team I root for is just, just wins titles. Cause I, I became a Duke right. fan and then in 99 became a state fan, an NC state fan. And, um. I didn't didn't see a title from uh 90 95 with the braves until this past year with the braves again so yeah. it's like, it's, you, you, it's easy to get trick yourself into thinking titles are just just come all yeah. the time
1: no no the last uh 20 some odd years for boston sports fans have been pretty oh good yeah um no no complaints so um all right so you know, kind of transitioning a little bit into, so from a, a, you know, a lot of folks that we work with in our space, uh, obviously small to mid-sized businesses, is there anything you think that would compare or could be learned, um, from the NFL, uh, for a small business, maybe on how they, um, you know, how certain franchises maybe run their operation? Is there, is there some business in, in, you know, is there something intuitive about maybe how a business runs their organization to how an NFL team runs theirs? And I know every team does something different, but there's so many things that happen, but I'm just kind of curious for your perspective, because I think there are some similarities sometimes.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, um, a good example might be the Carolina Panthers, right. Where you have a you know, small market team. And, you know, right now what's going on with Carolina, I think, and, you know, I don't, want hopefully. You know, at a, I mean, I don't care who hears it. Uh, I mean, I think I, think I don't the, care. Yeah, I, think the, I think the Panthers have. A, I think the Panthers currently have a David Tepper problem. You know, he is the owner, and yeah. so like as a small business owner, you are inherently going to want to be involved in a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, let's say you're running the company and you hire somebody to manage the day to day operations. Well, if you hire somebody to manage the day to day operations, you should definitely let them manage. If like if you believe in their skill set. And you're willing to pay them money to, you know, to handle what you, something that you own, you should trust your judgment as the person hiring them, I think, and allow them to do their job. You see this in a lot of NFL franchises where the, like David Tepper is hands-on right now. I think maybe that's applicable for small business where a lot of times it's, it's easy to just stay in the weeds with everybody and to just. You know, and, and just to try and try and be try and be everything to all people instead of allowing instead of sort of siphoning off, you know, different parts of, of, of different responsibilities and delegating and allowing people to do it. Like the Patriots are a great example. Bob Kraft ain't grinding on daily transactions. You know, no, he, no. he lets Bill Belichick do what Bill Belichick does best. Now, however, if, the, if there was ever a, you know, in like 2017, when the Garoppolo stuff was coming to a head and Brady and Belichick were sort of clashing behind closed doors. Bob Kraft stepped in and said, Hey, look, you're good at your job. You're good at your job, but you guys aren't being good together right now. So we got to figure something out for the betterment of this company and this organization. And I think that's like that's a good example of good ownership and knowing when and where to step in. And, to, and, and I know it's not 100% applicable to small businesses, but I think it's good upper management skills or good yeah. management skills to allow people to do what they do best, but then also to know when to step in and then know when to back away.
1: There's uh, this book, David Haberstein, uh, Education of a Coach with Bill Belichick. Yeah. And in, in the book, there's a story of, um, you know, they're, they're looking at, I think, free agency, what players to pull in. They're talking about all of these things that this guy can't do, but he's good at these three things. And, and in the book, Bill says, well, we're going to have him just do these three things and, and we're going to put him in a position to be successful by focusing on the things he's good at as opposed to, you know, trying to get them to do things that they're not good at. And I think, that's what, you know, when you think about structure of an organization, it's like not everybody's good at everything. Right. And it, I think the idea of that's a much
0: better way of saying what I was trying to say,
1: I mean, <laughs> but these specialists of, of these different, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, they have, you know, certain players or have certain roles in the team where that's all they do because that's what they're really good at. Or they come in and play zone versus man to man and that, you know, they can't, you know, so yeah, like it is, Ma- like it is.
0: Matthew Slater has been yeah. on yeah. the Patriots roster since I think 2000 and like five and yep. he's never, never, he never asked for a big contract. He doesn't nope. have, he has, he is a special teams guy. And, but Belichick would never dream of cutting him um, because he's his, like, he's the heart and soul, like the captain of the, I mean, Tom Brady is obviously, or was, but you know, Matthew yep. Slater, like a, a specialist and, and Belichick does that better. It, it's you see Belichick bring it like, that's the other thing too. Like, I think that's probably applicable for small business. The Patriots are just a good example, really. But like the dolphins have Wes Welker and, They sort of know how to use him, but not really. And they, I think they slapped like a second round tender on him. Yeah. And then Belichick gave him an offer sheet. And at that time you could sort of do the poison pill offer. It was like a, it was an offer sheet that was like, Dolphin's like, we're not, we're not going to match that for Wes Welker. What's wrong with you? And then Belichick brings him over and he has, if you look at it, had like equivalent stats to Calvin Johnson for three straight years because yeah. he was so prolific in that McDaniels and, and, and Brady and, and Patriot system. And I think that's a good example of recognizing resources that can, you know, can be used in a specific way that are maybe being misused by, you know, I don't know, by another company. Or yeah,
1: another company. no, absolutely. Um, all right. Going back to NFL. So from a, from, you know, from your perspective, is there, uh, is there certain players maybe transcend themselves into just producing constant content for you guys? Like who's, a, who. <laughs> Who's a great story.
0: Um, Tom Brady's a great example. Like everything Tom Brady does is constant content. Yep. Um, on the flip side, a guy who is constant content, but in maybe more of a negative way over the past few years is Antonio Brown. Yeah. And Tom Brady's obsessed with him for some reason. And, like lets him live in his house with his kids. It's very bizarre. I, mean, I would never let Antonio Brown live in my house. I, I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's probably done. Other people are like yeah. floating him out for Kansas City now. Um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know, it's like Antonio Brown from even when he was n- not being very bizarre as a free agent or on the Bucks or on the temp- he was on the Bills for like thirty minutes and then the Raiders and then um, then he went to the Patriots and then he went to the Bucks. Um, you know, like the last three or four years of Antonio Brown have just been content, like crazy content stuff because it's just it's like unbelievable the things that he does. But even when he was with the Steelers. You know, he was so flashy and you know, he, would, he did the thing where he jumped and, and, and hit himself between the legs with the goalpost. He, you know, he kicked a punter. I mean, he's just a guy that has constantly been a source of content. Try to think of the other, who's the content Hall of Famers? That's a good question. Odell Beckham and Josh Norman were white hot yeah. for a while there. And, yeah. You know, Odell was making out with the, the kicking net and Norman was dressing up like Batman. I need to go back and think about this. Who the content halt? Like, who's the content Mount Rushmore? I mean, it's probably a lot of quarterbacks.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: And there's just you know just got, There's just certain the Cowboys in, in teams too are a, a big yeah. thing. When we were sort of a, a mom and mom and pop shop, at, with the with the way we ran some of our, our stories. Uh, like when I first started at CBS, you know, it would be like somebody would be like, hey, should we write this story? Okay, well, let me show you this flowchart. A hey, is it about the Cowboys? Yes, write the story. You know, like, like like if it's about the Cowboys, write the story. It will do page views. Uh, the Patriots sort of morphed into that as well. Like all the all the gates from Brady. Yes, yeah. I mean, Deflate Gate was. Um, so I uh, I mean I ended up with Deflate Gate. I was emailing back and forth and and constantly talking to uh, one of my dad's good my dad's a lawyer one of my dad's good friends who lives in D.C. and is a labor attorney. Because I needed to know information about how this, like, how can Tom Brady go to the Supreme Court to sue over a labor issue? And the same thing happened with Zeke Elliott. And so it's, you know, Brady particularly has just, you know, uh, you know, all, oh my God, remember his jersey got stolen at the Super Bowl? Yeah. In twice. Houston, yeah, twice. Yeah, I mean that was the, that was a, a just content gold. I mean Brady, Brady's been pretty good to us over
1: the over the years. Yeah, they they he does. Yeah, and yeah, don't even get me started on the Deflategate thing. So, um, <laughs> I it's, yeah, I, mean, I still it's preposterous. Defend the wall. Um So, favorite NFL moment of all time? Do you even have one, or do you have? Is it is it like top five?
0: Um. I so like my favorite favorite. I don't have a favorite NFL moment. But I grew up a. I mean, I grew up a Panthers fan. You know, the Panthers showed up in like the mid '90s, and yeah, I I don't. I didn't really have a favorite team before them because I didn't really, you know, High Point and Greensboro are are not. Yeah, just not really on the peripheral for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you had the. Falcons I was a huge Braves fan but not didn't really get into the I kind of like the Falcons but not really and then Washington everybody in eastern North Carolina likes the the commandos or the commanders or whatever their name is now so grew up a Panthers fan so I would say like yeah it kind of it kind of just erodes away like your your diehard fandom particularly you know if, unless you have a team that's just you know I mean even like Ryan Wilson I work with who's a big Steelers fan is just sort of like ah, you know like whatever like Steelers gonna win Steelers gonna lose sometimes you know it just happens um but I covered that NFC Championship game against the Cardinals uh, in in Charlotte, and afterwards was able to go down the field where they're having the celebration. It's like confetti's raining down. I was and like it kind of hit me. I was like, oh my god, the Panthers are going to the Super Bowl. Like I like I think that one was up there. Um, going to that Super Bowl was was definitely a not as high a moment. Um, <laughs> but I think I mean I mean you'll appreciate this one. I, I'm, this is not purposely.
1: I'm not making this patriot centric.
0: I promise on purpose. but No, that's okay. It, I um, usually,
1: I usually I can get it to work
0: that way for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. Uh, <laughs> Super Bowl Super Bowl 49 with the the Malcolm Butler interception is yes. probably okay. my favorite. And I was there in Arizona up in the press box, and I mean I can like it, you know I don't I I've got a fairly fuzzy memory, but I like s- certain specific moments it's one of those that is just indelibly like etched in my brain. Like I can, I can, I can, I can, I can like, without cl- even closing my eyes, I can picture who, who I was like, I was sitting next to Pete Prisker, Jason Lock and and Ryan Wilson. And yep. Wilson is trying to take a photograph and, and we're watching. We're like, why are they throwing the ball? <laughs> and then, and then, and that whole game was just absolute pandemonium really in the second half. So that's probably up there. I mean, 28, three was, is, yep. is one yeah. for sure. Patriots lost to the Eagles. It was one of the coolest environments I've ever been in Yeah, as us bank stadium in Minnesota. We, we got dropped off on the wrong side of it. It's, I mean, it's five, maybe five degrees outside and we're walking around and we're like, we got We got to get inside ASAP. Well, so did every Philadelphia Eagles fan in, in the city of Minnesota or Minneapolis. And it was John breach. And I do a two, we walk around the, the stadium and do like, and take pictures of the, the, you know, the concession, see if we see if we can find cool jerseys, just sort of tradition, you know, buy some stuff. Tradition we do every year for the Super Bowl. We're like walking around and kind of like nervous. Like, <laughs> like, like because these Eagles fans were already so hammered and so loud. It was the loudest I'd ever heard a stadium that early. And it's an open air press box. And it was just like that, the, the, and I know it was tough for Patriots fans, but like the cathartic release of emotions for Eagles fans throughout that game. And then with the victory was yeah. just, just unbelievable. So, I, I mean, I think if i my favorite game ever is that 49 and that 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 malcolm butler interception but the other you know the, the nfc title game in that in that one the the 51 i guess were were up there
1: cool very cool yeah the yeah that that wasn't my favorite super bowl but um, <laughs> right you know, malcolm butler and 28 three is hard to top that's that was a, that was a wild a, ride well, I mean, from an emotional standpoint it was you hit all of them so. oh,
0: yeah yeah well i mean it's it's crazy that like i said like i was in um i wasn't there for the you know for the the, the David Tyree one, but I was there for the the Mario Manningham one in Indianapolis and we were yeah. in in the auxiliary press box in the stands, which is kind of cool. And like had just a you know it, that throw is just an unbelievable one. And and it, it, you look back at the Tom's run in New England, it's like he could have gone realistically like one and eight in the Super Bowls, but right. also could have gone nine and oh and yeah, and, You know, just, a and every single one of them, that's the thing about Belichick is like, he just outworked, you know, even when the team wasn't as good, he and Tom gave you a chance, gave the Pats a chance yes. to win.
1: Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what made it obviously. Yeah. So like you kind of knew you always had, you were always there, you know, you were always going to have a, a shot if you will. So yeah. Um, hopefully we'll figure this out with our, with our new guy, Mac. I, like, but, I like um, Mac. I like Mac. Yeah. He's, he's good. He's, he showed me some stuff last year. I'm, I'm, and I'm, he's like, He's like he's it absolutely embraces like I'm going to act like Tom Brady early in my career just like I'm not smiling. Yes. No, he's he's gone back to 2001 Tom. Yeah. Yes. Um he's trying to yeah, I'm not going to say anything. It's no. all about the team. It's all it's all it's all good stuff. All right. So on our end, you know, we're about to kind of enter our Super Bowl if you will. We have a uh, high point market, you know, Fall yeah. and Spring. Um happens twice a year. Is there anything you think that, you know, from a preparation standpoint of, you know, the Super Bowl, the lead up it's kind of similar for any, I think, company going into a whatever it is their, their thing is. Um, you know, is there anything that you can kind of, you know, maybe think about that might stand out in terms of, you know, how that can transcend into, you know, is there any similarities? Is there anything that you feel like, hey, if it's your Super Bowl, how would you kind of prepare? How do you get you know, ready to kind of handle that moment, I guess?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, when I grew, we moved out to Davidson County when, um, when I was like 10. And once, once, once we're out of Davidson County, it's like, all right, you know, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not going in town for two weeks. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the furniture, obviously it's a huge deal. And there's, I mean, so much of the, like, in terms of, you know, your future sales and your, and your, your, you know, the volume you get and the exposure you get during furniture market are massive. Like we have, I know people, you know, like friends in Raleigh who work in the industry and they, you know, they're obviously driving up for it. You look at these Super Bowls. And you could you could see in the weeks leading up to these different Super Bowls, especially early on, like you could tell, you know, who was who was ready and who, you know, who wasn't ready. And you could see it in the two weeks like the Panthers were, you know, I don't think they were like tight, but the Broncos that Broncos defense for Super Bowl 50, you know, just loose as a goose, right? Like a Talib to leave is, yep. you know, yapping off. He's up there with Deion Sanders, got his arm around him. He's very casual. Um, and you know, you, you know, th- you heard. And Von Miller, Von Miller. Um, actually, there's a great story. Jordan of at The Athletic, wrote wrote it before the Super Bowl. How Von Miller sort of helped give Aaron Don- this year sort of helped give Aaron Donald a voice because he said, "Look, man, you, you you know, I know you love to lead by example, but you've got to lead like with your voice. If you want to win a title, you have to be out there." And so, I think just you know, you would see that with with that that Broncos defense. And I'd picked the Panthers, and I had a, you know, knew I had a bad feeling about it. And you cover all these. Patriot Super Bowls, and those guys, th- those guys were just meticulous and prepared, and they weren't going to give you anything in these interviews leading up to the week. You know, right. you, there was no chance you're getting bulletin board material, and I think that stems from, you know, comes from the top down, obviously. Like, Belichick's like, you know, this is the Patriot way. You know, Gronk, you're hilarious. Everyone loves you, Rob. You don't need to be, you know, like, you know, making, you know, uh, jokes and and like, you know, time, you know, like you don't like, you know, be a be a professional leading into the game. And, and you saw that from the top down. I think maybe that's sort of that that would be the biggest lesson, I guess, is that in your preparation or the biggest takeaway I could give anyway is like in your preparation, act like you're supposed to be there. You know, don't don't be like, oh, this is a party for two weeks. You know, what I mean, because it is to right. agree. You know, and this is a little harder. Sort to do. Of ex- yeah,
1: yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's a
0: little harder to do with market because you are going to have to go out and and you know socialize a little bit to right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You yeah. are going to have to party. Um, yeah. but I think in the lead up to it, and you know, there's preparation have, for
1: that. You can just you know make sure you're hydrating.
0: Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, drink lots of water. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, but I, I I do think that like that to me was always you could always sort of see which teams were prepared and which teams weren't. And it came out and, uh, and, and, you know, like the, the Seahawks, when they played the Broncos, you know, they were like singularly focused in New York and they came and they came out and delivered right away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think in the in recent years, it's kind of, that's a, that's sort of a change in the last 10 years too, is that these teams are almost always like, like you don't get anything from these teams anymore. You know, they don't, yeah. it's very rare where you have, a, you know a t- one team spouting off aggressively like the the pats Falcons super bowl in houston i mean i remember talking with somebody before the game it was like we haven't gotten a single quote from either team like they're both being <laughs> as vanilla and bland as possible the only interesting thing was kyle shanahan losing his playbook which is definitely a, a lesson there as well don't lose your your uh, whatever the whatever the equivalent would be for market you know
1: Right. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, don't, don't, don't
0: lose your fabric sample sheet or something or like fabric right. sample notebook or something.
1: Um, so initially we were going to talk before free agency began. And then obviously it went into full swing and it kind of got crazy as we kind of talked about. And I was going to, you know, one of the questions I was, Hey, any surprises thus far, but we had a whole host of them. <laughs> so, all right. We've kind of, I think all the big names have, have come and gone. Is there and we kind of talked about the way contracts are structured. Now it seems like there's still a ton of free agencies, uh, free agents out there available yep. for teams. Do you do you foresee that a lot of these deals get done before the draft, or do you think a lot of these things happen now after the draft?
0: The only thing more confusing, like the NFL rule book and the NFL like roster rules, is the NFL cap space stuff. I mean, like it's like it's like IRS tax codes, um, totally. Yeah, and there are some veterans who will be released later in the year after the draft, because you can, you can designate somebody as a post June one cut, which allows you to split their cap hit across multiple years. Um, And then there's also a deadline for the compensatory pick formula. And as a Pats fan, you, you know, Belichick. Oh, I know all about, yeah.
1: If anybody has any questions, call
0: me. That's right. That's right. Ravens fans and Pat's fans know how the compensatory formula works. Uh, And basically it's, you know, free agents you sign versus free agents you allow to walk away and the value of their contracts and the value of their performance goes into this really complex formula and you get free draft picks. Well, after the compensatory pick deadline, which I think might be like May 15th, I I need to go look. But after that deadline, you start to see more of these veteran free agents signed because teams are waiting, especially guys who might get cut, teams are waiting because they don't want to hurt their comp pick formula. Um, You see, you know, if depending on how the draft goes, there could be some more signings as well. But typically there's this big wave of initial signings. And I think we've got all the big names off with maybe the exception of uh, Odell Odell, and uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews, yep. yeah. um, but it may, maybe a few more. But there'll be sort of little rolling waves of secondary signings. And, and there's also been sort of the market has been kind of held a little bit hostage by the fact that everybody was waiting for Deshaun Watson to get traded because then that was a domino for Matt Ryan, which was a domino for Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield. And, and, all, and so all that sort of unfolding will certainly change it. Like, you know, the Devontae Adams trade, which was out of nowhere, uh, is going to impact, you know, what the Packers do in the draft and in free agency. And, and so I think the splashy nature of all these trades and all, these, all this movement this offseason has kind of impacted the way that free agency has operated a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's it is going to be interesting, I think, to see how that all, um, you know, kind of how, how it plays out with some of these people. Because I would I would imagine that, um, you know, there's I know, like on the Patriots, there's some big name free agents of our own that you're I think they're probably past their prime. They don't actually need to sign them. And if they can get them for the cheap, you know, they would they right. would do that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, like
0: Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 And I don't I mean, they're you know, they've kind of hit. You know they've probably done what they can do i don't know how much more they really have left in in the tank necessarily for for where we're at so yeah um, well, i
0: think i think too a lot of times it's it's a case of all right you know go test the market especially yeah. with matt so like, go test the market and let, you know if, if you yeah, get, let a us great, know. Great, get a great deal go for it but you know, if not come back to us and let's work something out sometimes yeah. Those guys
1: yeah do you think i mean uh i was reading with deshaun watson apparently his annual salary in year one, is like very, very little. And there's a lot of content coming out of him right now too, probably for you guys or will be, but it sounds like they have structured the contract with the intention that it sounds like he may be su- suspended for the entire oh, yeah. year.
0: Um, I with think it. it's, I think the idea, so with the suspension, it's, um, as you know, from gate, it's, it's a, you know, per gate, you get per game salary, right? So you get yeah. 17 game checks. So the reason they do and, and it could be it could be the whole year. We don't know. Um, but yeah. it's, the idea being is like if he misses four games, it's a million divided by four instead of 46 million divided by four. Right. They're, right. The Browns are uh, assisting Deshaun in circumventing yeah, the the potential punishment from the, the league. But, you know, the money is not like exactly going to charity. You know, the Deshaun stuff is so muddy, like and this happens oh, a it's, lot. It's, it's so tough to talk about because. I am absolutely sensitive to the issues and we try to frame it that way every time. But you also have to talk about Deshaun Watson
1: as it's like two worlds almost. Yeah. And it's, they are connected
0: and and you feel callous, you know, you feel callous doing it and you don't want to do it because you don't want to trivialize what he allegedly did. But because of the job, you have to talk about it that way. It's, it's, it's a very tricky, like, that's the kind of like content, like I, I would
1: be fine without that, kind, you know, like, like, I I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, Sean yeah. Trade, no, and and I, did
0: Sean ask for a trade before the stuff, before the allegations happen? So, you know.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. And I think it is, it, you know, from a player standpoint, I think it, you know, I was talking to some people that are actually Browns fans and um, they're, they're very upset. And, uh, oh, yeah. and then a lot of them are uh, saying that, well, the, I think there's a good chance that Baker Mayfield actually may even, have to play for them this year which would be i mean talk about a drama situation but that would be very interesting and then they said well, what if he played really well <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> he played four games really well that's right well because yeah. so they signed Jacoby Brissett as a backup too but right. the problem the panthers and the browns have the same problem they use the fifth year option on a quarterback that they don't want it's a it's a basically a 19 million dollar single year fully guaranteed deal that takes up right dollars in cap space and so he's uncut you, if you cut him You're just eating $19 million and nobody wants to trade for him. So why would you, why would you do that? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So the prevailing logic is that if the Browns ironically, because Cleveland did this with Brock Osweiler assisted it with Brock Osweiler, basically the Browns are going to have to give somebody a pick. Like here's a pick, here's a pick, please take this $18 million, uh, you know,
1: anchor off our hands. Right. Yeah. It's wild. Well, if if Tom Brady got suspended for, you know, four games for, you know, uh, the, you know, Ideal gas law. Um, then uh, uh, you think Deshaun yeah, would get I, I think, more than yeah. I, I hope I hope to God he does. And um, well, yeah, you, th- just,
0: the, you know Neil. The interesting thing is that like with with these suspensions and and again, it, I mean you don't. It doesn't feel comfortable silo- siloing off. But the way that the NFL does this is you can just tell that they they operate with as if their jurisdiction is different with off field stuff and on field stuff. Right. Like with Deflate the Gate, they're taking Brady to the Supreme Court, you know, over, right. I believe in the, in Mike, I think it's Mike Florio's new book, Playmakers, is basically, I'm sure you've seen this as a yeah. defender of the wall, uh, you know, that basically, you know, the NFL is like, uh, sort of like, you know, Spygate, basically the NFL is like, we're not, this evidence can't get out the light. Like we got to get rid of this because we're going to look like idiots. And right. um, Yeah. They,
1: they, and just for, yeah. So for the record, they tracked then the air pressure in footballs for, I think two years. Yeah. And basically what they determined from these, uh, Mike Florio who works with pro football talk confirmed that the information, uh, and this all, again, going back to the whole thing with Chris Mortensen's um tweet the information that he got from uh, an nfl employee who used to work for the jets who hated the patriots and blah blah mm. but the 11 out of 12 footballs were underinflated. well it, it turns out that basically so were the colts footballs because it was cold outside and much yes. like when your tire light shows up when the air changes that's what happens because it's a leather ball filled up with air so, <laughs> yeah, that's right it's a, bl- uh, it's a bladder in a leather ball spend, up- the nfl spends 20 million dollars try to, you know, basically do Tom Brady harm. Tom Brady's done more for the NFL than the NFL has done for Tom Brady, I would, I would argue. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's crazy. So they basically keep track of all this records for two years, and they, they say, you know what? The Patriots were actually right. Now, the Patriots don't get the draft pick back. Tom Brady doesn't get the games back. No apology. They try to flush it under the rug. And it's funny. When this stuff comes to light, it is interesting. You know, Roger Goodell makes a gazillion dollars a year. I think it's like $40 million a year or something like yeah. that. It's insane. Yeah then he has this little annual state of the union where you'd think questions get asked like this. And he's, I guess he's just paid that much to take all the lumps because hundred, percent. Right. And, I and mean, and if it's not obvious on television, I've been in those things a ton,
0: the same, there is a group of older veteran NFL reporters who are they going get to them, yeah, ask the they, questions. they are yeah. they are The PR people know who they're going to go to. You're not, if you raise your hand, you might get a question, but you're not like, right. if I, if I would, you know, if I, I if you're if you're there for like the first if you're like a first year reporter or something like that good luck getting that question because it because you know they want they want to know that the questions being asked will be presented in a way that roger goodell can deflect not not like it's yeah. a not like yeah. the journalists aren't trying but there's definitely like a you know there's a um you know a level of respect because you've covered the league for so long you're not gonna be like where are the receipts show them you're like you know you're not gonna have like a Somebody from Barstool screaming, uh, you Well know, that's uh, what David
1: Portnoy and I would do, and, and we'd all correct, we'd, correct. you know, on our end, we'd love him for it. So. Right. right <laughs> of course. I, I remember Super Bowl 49 when he was he was walking around. I,
0: I he went up to the night, the guy, the 985 Sports Hub guys, and I heard him, he was like, That Kravitz, where is he? I know that Bob Kravitz is around here somewhere. And yeah,
1: and, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a. But yeah. but
0: to the to the point about the silo stuff, like I think the NFL like look how quickly they suspended Calvin Ridley for an entire year. Right. And look what,
1: yeah. And,
0: yeah. and meanwhile, Deshaun Watson has these allegations. They like to use the crutch. That is the, they like to use the legal system as a crutch. Right. And, and I mean, you can kind of see the argument for it because then the NFL isn't the one determining what, right. you know, they're not adjudic- you know, adjudicating punishments for.
1: Well, and I think what's, I think what's crazy until it actually, until these things actually harm, um, you know, the engagement, the viewership, um, the, the, the shield, the brand, whatever, until people begin to stop watching. I mean, they seem to like, they can almost get away with whatever they want because people continue to show up on Sunday and watch, um, without even, you know, there's no, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's weird, but that's, that's kind of what happens. So, um, yeah, it is. It's, it's crazy. Um, well, where can people learn more about you, read about you, follow you, your podcast? Um, I think if you're an NFL fan, I think you obviously, you know, you speak to it. I, I am. I'm not really an NFL fan. I'll be honest. I'm really just a Patriots fan. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah. But, um, but you know, there are people that do like the NFL. But, um, what, what's where are some of the best places to Rob to find
0: Rob Low Rob wears that uh, the NFL the NFL logo. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Easy. that's not me. Yeah. No, he's an NFL. Yeah. Patriots <laughs> fans don't like the NFL. They like the Patriots right. um, actually uh, youtube.com slash pick six uh, where we, we were live every day at one o'clock. Uh, we do chats and, and, you know, even in July, we're live every day at one o'clock, which, which is something else. Um, and, uh, and uh, on Twitter at Will Brinson, same thing for Instagram and uh CBSSports.com, where occasionally I will uh, write, I should have some mock drafts coming up in the, I think I have a mock draft coming up Tuesday and like two or three more before the draft and, uh, and picks
1: and, and whatnot and recaps during the year. Well, this will be great. And uh, everybody can kind of learn, study up for fantasy football. I do participate. I usually pick all Patriots or ex-Patriots <laughs> players. Um, uh, last year, I finished second. So That's pretty good.
0: Hey, uh, hey Patri- uh, picking the Patriots has done you well for a while now.
1: Yeah, it has. It's done me well. So, great. Uh, Will, great to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully you get to meet, meet in person down the road.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yo, this was a blast, man.
1: Thanks for spending some time with us today. I've been your host, Neil McKenzie from Universal Furniture. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at Universal Furn.